Okay, um, hello. hello everyone. Uh, this is Joseph again. Um, today we're going to talk, we're going to talk about uh, what makes a brand and how content plays into that. And today I have a guest with me who used to, we used to work together back in Traveluka in Vietnam. She was the brand and content lead and uh, her name is Chino. I'll hand, hand it over to her for her for a short introduction. Hi everyone, my name is Chino. Um, I have like five years working in the Vietnamese media industry and um, I was one of the first team members at Traveloka Vietnam in 2016. And I worked with Joseph to create a lot of marketing content for Traveloka Vietnam since the start and I helped um, Traveloka expand its market share in Vietnam since then. And currently I'm taking a year off to get my master's degree in the UK so I have this time to share uh, about what's going on um, in the media, content marketing in general with Joseph. So thanks for having me. Cool. Okay, so now on, on to the podcast, uh, like in my opening statement. So um, with COVID, right? So now everybody has to uh, cut their marketing budgets. Um, everybody's conserving cash. Uh, you might think that CMOs and their teams will be struggling to validate their existence in the company. That is largely true, especially for uh, the companies that are operating in, in spaces that are really, really badly affected, um, like my, my, our former employer, Traveloka, and other travel companies will be badly affected. And that's always true and very true for companies that have overly relied on paid marketing tactics to grow their customer base and, and revenues, right? Um, so I think in the previous piece that I wrote, uh, we, we spoke about how content marketing can help you uh, scale your marketing spend in a very efficient manner across a very fragmented audience in your market. So with that, I think um, I'd like to dive a bit into some of the hows because I'm, I'm, my background, I'm, I'm a finance guy. I look at dollars and cents. I, I used to control the budget and I give the budget to Chino and she will run the productions and you know, the brand strategy. So I, uh, let's hear from her. Uh, what makes a good piece of content? You know, we all know the importance of storytelling. How do we actually do it well and, and do it well consistently? Yeah, I mean, I think like good content um, is very subjective, uh, but there are some general points that I try to follow. I think the first thing is um, putting the audience concern first and have empathy for them and what they care about and what they're um, talking about what they're watching on the internet and what are some of the pain points that they have that your products can actually solve. So coming from that point is what I always try to do when I start generating ideas for content because I think like a lot of traditional marketing tend to talk at the audience and like just kind of like project whatever you're, you want to talk about your product um, at the audience and that's not actually effective because people see like I don't know upwards of 3,000 pieces of, uh, of advertising a day so your content means nothing if it's not engaging to your audience so I always try to come from that point of view first and then of course like the best practice in doing content marketing and, and advertising in general is just focus on one thing talk about one thing at a time so if it's like you want to talk about your products USP, for example, just pick one and and talk about that. I know that a lot of marketing team tends to um, want to talk about everything in like a 30 second piece of advertisement. 
um, just to get their money's worth. But you know, from the audience point of view, they can only you know retain so much information in 30 seconds. So I always find that the the best performing pieces of advertising just focus on one message at a time. So that's one. And then of course, like I try to generate emotions with um, any piece of content that I've produced. So because like one thing that you have to remember is that people are very narcissistic and they care about their emotions. They usually remember their own emotions better than the information that you're like pushing at them. Um, so I always try to generate emotions in, in the audience. So, you know, where, whether it's like funny content or making them like curious or surprising them with some tidbits or um, even like emotional content. You see a lot of like funny, funny advertisements or emotional advertisements. Um, so that's the tactic that they usually use to kind of make the audience remember their content, so. I mean, I mean, scientifically that has been proven, right? Storytelling is important and storytelling is important because it, yeah. it, it incites emotions in your audience. And when some, when the audience feels something, they remember the message and remember, and, and I would like to emphasize here again, it should be one singular message. Don't squeeze yes. 10 USPs into your, or 10 call to actions in a single 30 second ad. Um, I, we, we made that mistake. Uh, in the early days, and, and you were the one who who screamed at us and say, "Why do you want to squeeze six USPs into a thirty-second TVC?" I mean, so we we <laughs> yeah. we, we 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 learned from that as well, and uh, we stripped that down to a single USP, and um and that led to our first successful TV uh, ad, which was the 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 one about the grandmother who wanted kids and decided to use Traveloka to to send her daughter-in-law on a trip away with the with her son. And she secretly tagged along to make sure they were procreating. So, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, that was funny. Um, it, yeah. it, so I think, I mean, let's break down that ad. What, what made it successful? So I, in my mind, the first thing, of course, it was very funny. Second, it was relatable. Third, it, yeah. was, um, it was relevant to our audience. Our audience was many uh, young uh, first jobber, 25 to 30. Uh, and the, most of the decision makers were, were female. So it was a uh, very very relevant for our audience. So um, I think that was uh, kind of a how we parlay a consumer insight or a brand, a uh, kind of a consumer insight to then a, a storyboard. So I think that those, those were the learning points. Um, so that's that. So Gino, back to you. I mean, you know, what do you think makes a brand? What are the ingredients or pillars of a of a of a good of a good brand or a strong brand? I mean. Yeah, and how, how do we, you know, get to yeah. finding those pillars and ingredients to put together to get to the brand? Of course, I lead the brand and design team. So the first thing that I would say is having a strong brand identity and a strong brand voice. And that's like your logo, your color scheme, your design, all your designs have to be consistent. So if you think about some of the, the biggest brands in the world, right, Coca-Cola, um, Apple, like a, a specific kind of message and aesthetic comes to mind when I mention those brands. And so strong brands need strong brand identity and strong brand voice. And those have to be consistent across all channels. And that's really hard to do with your startup, right? Because um, you're just trying to get through the day. You can't um, really think about like, 
oh, am I being consistent with my designs or my voice? Um, that always comes second. But in the long run, like that's something, some of the first things that you have to invest in is to have a brand identity in order to keep your messages consistent. And like I said, the other thing would be knowing who you're talking to, knowing your target audience and what they want and what they need and how you can solve their problems. And I think that should be integrated into the brand mission in order to keep that consistent in your messaging because you know there are so many pieces of content flowing around all of your channels that if you don't know what you're talking about or if you don't know how you should talk about them um it can get lost really easily yeah i mean i mean to add on to what chino shared i think um what i observe is that uh, what i observe happens very often is a lot of companies try to throw a lot of stuff out there and see what sticks mm-hmm. and they double down there which is nothing wrong it's part of the lean startup methodology you, you, you test and iterate and you learn what you learn what works and what doesn't but for brand i, I think this is something that you really need to, get, need to get right early on in your journey because if you get it wrong too many times people start to strike you off and people start to get annoyed and about by you and ignore you that's the, that's the worst place you can ever get to. I mean, look at the telecom companies. <laughs> they, they are the perfect yeah. getting brand voice wrong, right? And trying very hard to salvage yeah. it. So they kind of the yeah. point of no return. So you don't want to get it wrong too many times early on in the journey till you get there. Um, so back to how you build a brand. Uh, Gino mentioned a few points, understanding your audience, right? Uh, having a brand voice, having a brand identity. So how do you go about crafting your, your, your brand voice and brand identity then? You know what are the kind of steps or you know the formula so, so i'm yeah, yeah. again i'm a finance guy one plus one <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i think you have to again come from your mission and your target audience so if we're talking about a young brand like traveloka we're talking to people who are very young who are passionate about traveling about um you know exploring the world and there's a lot of uncertainties that comes with that. I mean, just look at COVID and how hard it is to travel nowadays and what are, you know, a lot of misinformations going out there. So we want to be the trusted partner that people can rely on when they travel, right? Because that's like the most important thing um, when people travel and explore the world is to just minimize the the risk as much as possible. So I think that's one of the, the essential um, elements in creating a brand voice for Traveloka is just to have a very trustworthy tone, but also a very youthful appearance. Um, and just like think about like if you have a best friends that you always come to for advice when you travel, for example, like a very experienced person, um, that Traveloka would be that person. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's really important to talk like a person because you're trying to build a relationship with your audience. So uh, you have to maintain your brand voice and your brand identity in order to develop a relationship with your target audience because you feel the audience would feel like they're talking to the same person each time. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important. Yeah. And, and again, it all goes back to the earlier point you mentioned, right, you know, around empathy. I mean, it's very yeah. hard to craft your brand voice and brand identity without knowing your audience very well. And you can't know your audience very well if you don't go out there and talk to them or you don't have basic level of empathy. And empathy, yeah. at, at least I believe, is a muscle that can be trained. 
and you can only be trained by speaking to your customer base over and over and over again every day. And this is something that companies tend to forget, especially when they get some early successes. And you know, oh, we, we've got product market fit. Now our product is loved by yeah. our audience. Um, we just keep selling, right? We keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing for revenue. And then they forget to check back with the audience. Like, is this still what they want? Because customers do change. They are not static, right? They are not like robots. Um, environment yeah. change, they, expect, they, they go through different life stages, their, their expectations change, and you need to evolve with your customer. Uh, customer. So I think that's how you, you guide your decisions around crafting your brand voice and identity. Um, so that's definitely a very important pillar of a brand. So the second important pillar will be consistency, and, la and last, but actually the most important will be trust. So I think early on in the, days of, in, in the early days of Traveloka Vietnam, when after we launched our first TV commercial, we had a trending topic on Google Trends, which was uh, "Is Traveloka legit?" So yeah, yeah I mean, but to us, that was, was a good problem to have. Um, it means that people, I mean, being a new kid on the block in travel in Vietnam, people were starting to take notice of us. Our TV commercial was working, so that's that's always good to know. But people were not convinced that we are what we say we are, or we are we can do what we say we can do. So from then, what, what did we do, Gino? Actually, maybe you can jog my memory. Like, what are the things that we did from then to really overcome the trust barrier and build that, that, that third pillar of trust? I think we did a lot of things throughout various channels. One of yeah. them is SEO, SEM, and yeah. just kind of attack that keyword with information that comes from us instead of our competitor, uh, competitors right. or uh, other parties. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that we did uh, was, you know, social media and blog and just um, put out a lot of content marketing on our social media and on our blog that are mm -hmm. truly engaging and are that provide information that are useful. And I, I remember we did a lot of hygiene content, so mm -hmm. like instructions, uh, how to book, how to... Um, I don't remember what we did. Yeah, we did, we did like, a 10, lot 20, of like how to, 10, 20 yeah. hygiene articles. We even had the. Yeah. We, have, we even have the. We even have those articles on the what if, what if shit hits the fan and what do you do? Yeah. Because people were sending those queries to our customer support, and we decided to feed it back to our our our, our team and say let's make some content about that and address it, in in our own our own channels right in a very formal yeah, way yeah. with our brand voice yeah. and being very very preemptive and helpful. Again, it goes back to understanding our audience what what issues or friction points they have with your product and trying to help them along the way. So it all goes back to really, really being very, very customer-centric. Um, so that, 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 was, that, that is how, was how we came from the early days, and then we compounded on the early successes. We got past the trust barrier. And then uh, it was all about driving virality next, right? So we wanted one, yeah. one thing, the next thing, after we overcome the trust issue, I think the next thing we were very, uh, the team was very focused on was, how do we become popular? I think that was the question yeah. I posed. That was the question I asked you guys back then. Like, how can we become popular? How can we become well known? Uh, not well known, but how, how can we increase? Our, I mean, I think the exact word I use is, how can we increase our word of mouth momentum? And that equate, equated to how can we become popular? And then the team started coming out with a few things. Maybe you want to talk about some of those? I think budget constraints was one of the things that we 
um, places are Republic of Vietnam, and we wanted to have a lot of different touch points and uh, create content for a lot of different channels mm. um, that look trendy, that address people's questions. So we did like so many, I remember like this one month, I went to 10 different cities to film travel videos for uh, a lot of our different channels. And we did travel get intern, uh, which is like a paid uh, internship that, you know, pay young marketers to travel. And then they produce content for our blog and our social media. And I remember that was one of the most successful content marketing campaigns that we did um, in 2017 and 2018. Um, and the content that came from that, it was not just uh, the content that the travel intern produced, but also the uh, bus that came around or recruitment because, mm. you know, a paid a, internship that allows people to travel for free. We, like, we, we positioning like, like a, yeah. we positioning like a reality show, right? I think. Yeah. 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 So, um, it was fun. so I think the, the recruitment, we got a lot of word of mouth and um, bus on the internet around that recruitment. Um, and then the content that the interns produce for us, because they are very young people, very talented people, very young marketers who are very travel savvy. And so they um, traveled to these amazing places and took so many pictures for us. And then that content was um, recycled into, um, you know, uh, I think we did a lot of uh, ads social media mm. ads yeah. with those content, not just like the blog posts and the travel videos. And then we also ran, um, you know, YouTube videos and um, social media content. And like, I think the production was relatively cheap, but we got our money's worth like 10 times over. Yeah, and I'll be the happiest person because I'm the, <laughs> I'm the as the country marketing lead, I was the gatekeeper of the budget and we, had a much, much, much smaller budget compared to our peers in HQ in Indonesia. So we had to make, make the best of what we have all the time. And, uh, but that, I mean, that, that, has, that is also has its good, good points. We were forced to be very uh, resourceful in a lot of areas. Um, so back to the Travel Local Intern Program, I think, I think um, at least from my perspective, what, what, was, what made that really successful was, again, back to your point, you know, we didn't talk at the audience. We went, we went to, we became a peer, right? We went down yeah. to where they were. We talked with them. It was a co-curation because the travel local interns were the, the, the ideal persona of our, 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 our customers. Yeah. So that's how we actually picked the interns, right? Those people will mostly be very representative of our average mm -hmm. customer. And they were yeah. the ones creating content for yeah. themselves, <laughs> basically. We give them resources, yeah. we give them support, we give them a, a video production crew that, that tag along with them to produce content they want to see, right? So there, there's something different from using influencers here, right? So we, we, we try influencers as well and we had mixed results because influencers, again, they do not have that deep, as deep relationship, working relationship with you as someone who, who is going to stick with you for three to, three to six months as part of the company. Yeah. So I think that's how we evolved from our early experiments. Again, it's really testing a lot of things, learning what, what, why some things would work and some things that don't work and really then compounding those learnings into your next experiment and, you know, and just those things add together. Um, so that was that. Um, budget, I think I would like to talk a bit about that. So um, 
you know, back to the budget constraints, I think, um, I don't think, I don't think you, you guys actually get to see what happens when I have to present our monthly results. <laughs> so maybe no. I can get a, get a bit of perspective now. So um, there, were, there were a few times um, I, I was questioned by very, very senior leadership back in HQ around why we are spending, you know, 10K here, 10K there on things that don't seem to scale. Why don't we just devote all of that to Google and Facebook, which we know has been converting well or relatively well, and, or, or to promos that, that you know, acquires customers very quickly. And then you know, we, we, we scale our revenue faster or scale our new customers faster. And you know, back then in my mind, I was thinking um, the money tab, I mean, for paid ads is never going to be there forever. Uh, we need to seed and grow something today for the future and content is the answer. Although back then I didn't know what, what form the content would take, we were still iterating. So my answer back then, I didn't have, have a strong answer yet, but I had to give confidence to the senior leadership so that I can, we can my team, you guys, can continue experimenting without being ha harassed by these people, right? So that, that, that was my, because my main job then, be the shield for the team, take the hit, right? So I, 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 just, I just sat there and answered. Well, um, these are all experiments, you're right, and we don't really have strong measurement methodologies for those compared to Google and Facebook, which you can clearly see from the attribution. But if you want to know whether they are effective or not, I can turn that off the next month and you see how much we drop. And I stood there smiling. And, they, and, and then they didn't have an answer. And so we got to do it for the next six months. So again, yeah. um, but, but back then the answer I gave was actually not, not entirely a lie. I mean, um, so if you, read, if you read some literature out there, um, the fact that Google and Facebook is so easily measurable is the reason why a lot of marketing dollars are sucked into them. And, and, you know, and, and, and actually the channels that sometimes give very good return over S spend are those channels that cannot be measured. That's why, I mean, it's, it's, it's common sense, right? If the yeah. supply demand thing, less people use it and, and you know, there's, it's cheaper, there's less competition, you, can, you have a higher chance of getting your, your voice out there. Um, so I think that there was some truth to what I said back then, even though I say it on the spur of the moment. <laughs> Maybe Chino has something I mean, to say. Yeah, <laughs> one thing that I want to add though is content absolutely scale. Like yeah. if you do it well, yeah. you can milk one trip or yeah, one trip forever. So one production, for example, one yeah, production. one production. You can milk it forever. So if I went on like a four day trip with Troublegate Interim, I would get like about a hundred gigs of photos, videos, um, notes, uh, whatever that I can just recycle over and over. Like by the time that I left, I remember in 2019, uh, there were pieces of content from Troublegate Interim in 2017 that I, had been recycling over and over for so many different channels, like for our um, Instagram ads, for our Facebook ads, for our Google ads. I think content absolutely scale at just that yeah. nobody <laughs> measures them. Yeah. It, it, nobody measures the operational numbers. How many pieces yeah. of content get created? Um, how, uh, you know, how many pieces of content get, how many pieces of content get created per hit count in the co content team efficiency? Um, how many, 
how many, uh, what's the average cost of each piece of content or what's the average cost of each, each unique ad. Nobody measures that. People measure, what, what do people measure? People measure what are the new customers, what are the cost of a per new customer. Yeah. And, 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 and they focus blindly on that. Right? And they say, if I can only spend maximum of 30,000 through this, through this content channel, I can't scale. So that, that's how they think about it, which is very flawed if now if I think about it again on hindsight. Um, so, and again, I, I'm, I'm, that was validated when in even today, you know, assets video on the lot still gets comments on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Like, content that's created yeah. in 2017, today, still relevant, still incites emotions, still, right, yeah. still excites people to go to the lot. People comment on them and say, yeah. Especially oh. uh, travel content, they don't, yeah. you know, they don't it's inspire. Evergreen, right? It's evergreen. Yeah, it's evergreen. Yeah. yeah. So I think the key thing and, we, we want yeah. to learn today is producing evergreen content. Yeah. yeah. I think like social media, Facebook, Instagram, um, the, the content that are produced for those channels are so short lived. Like you post something like, and then 24 hours, everybody's talking about a different thing. Mm -hmm. But if you produce really quality content that you can post it on Facebook or on YouTube, and then you can share it on, you know, your landing page or website or whatever, like a lot of our hygiene content are posted on YouTube and then um, like linked into our Travelga website. Um, like those content are gonna live forever and are gonna be useful forever or until you update the next version, version of, of your app. Uh, but like travel content don't, don't really expire. Um, and so I think it's absolutely worth it to create yeah. um, quality content from the start. I think you have a great example of something else that's evergreen. It was a movie, but it was an ad. It was a 90, sec 90 minute ad. You know? Yeah. Why don't you talk about yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, I always love um, telling people about this because this is like the most successful advertisement in the world because it's 90 minute long, captivated audience that pay to go see it. And it's like, an absolute advertisement for like one of the biggest brands in the world and it's the Lego movie and they've made like four or five of those already like Lego Batman movie I think Ninja, we're, uh, yeah yeah, yeah. So you and I are both them. fans of, of those movies right and I think yeah. it's hilarious that people are go uh, are paying like good money to go see this 90 minute advertisement but I think it's the best example of like content um marketing done well right because um those are really good story and it can be like that movie can be boiled down to just one single message is that Legos uh, help your children cultivate their imagination right but people are like paying money to go see this ad and like talking about it on social media and nobody really realizes that this is absolutely a content marketing effort from the Lego brand yeah and and if you just look at Google Trends, the mentions of Lego before yeah. the movie, you can see the huge spike. I mean, again, if, you, if any, anybody in the audience is, is curious about how to assess word of mouth, like pickups for different brands, just use Google Trends. It's publicly available. It's an easy tool to use. You can use it, even use it in Traveloka um, for Vietnam specifically and see what the things that we did translated to in terms of word of mouth and you know, brand awareness pickup. So you can really clearly see the uh, that Traveloka picking up against the likes of Agoda within a span of a year, and that's really true. You know, high 
velocity iteration in terms of content production. I think we really iterated a lot on content, even more than our, our paid marketing strategies, which I'll say very textbook, to be honest. It's just textbook display marketing, SEM, SEO, the best practices. And there's not much you can do about those paid marketing tactics because everybody knows them. You're doing the same yeah. things that everybody does. You're paying the same CPC, CPMs that everybody does. And what can you get out of those? You can, uh, it's definitely, okay, it's huge channel. You can scale it. You can get tens of thousands of customers every month, but you're not, you're not doing anything different from others and you can't really stand out. So I think content is where we really did well on Traveloka, um, Vietnam. Um, so I think that was, that was really, really, always really happy to share about that. Um, so I think we're down to the final few minutes of this episode. Um, I think, uh, I think parting, I think to part, to part with our audience, I'd like to discuss a bit about the team. One, what, what do you think makes a best in class team from for, you know, running content marketing and branding activities? As we all know, yeah. as our, a lot of people in our audience knows, content production is very, very difficult. It's very challenging. It's not something you get right from day one. And a lot of people give up along the way. So, you know, how much does the team yes. claim in that? I, I was really fortunate to be able to hire like some of the best people like in Vietnam, in content production in Vietnam for my team and um, personally hiring them and, you know, creating the structure for the team and creating the KPIs for the team really helped me understand like what are some of the things that help them be productive and be creative and motivate them to deliver the best quality content possible for, for uh, the company. I think one of the things that I always look for, because like creative people are everywhere. Um, there are so many talented creatives out there um, in Vietnam and, and in Southeast Asia, but I always try to find um, people who understand that the audience is king. The audience needs is what you need to focus on. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of creatives like produce um, content to serve their egos or worse to serve their marketing team. Um, and I don't think that's the right focus. I think like people who understand that the audience um, needs comes first and will fight for the audience are people that I always look for to hire in my team. Mm. Um, the other thing would be people who genuinely enjoy the creative process. Mm. Um, Cause there are so many things that, you know, are in production and then get slashed at the end. But, and then I always like come to people and, and apologize, like, I'm sorry, you spent all that time working on this piece of content that's never going to see the light of day. And they, they're always like, no, but I really enjoy it. Um, and that's like, that's the best answer that you look for. Um, and I think the last thing would be people who work best in collaboration, people who can bounce ideas off each mm. other, who, who are open to challenging others and being challenged by others. I think like some of the best um, creative uh, products that we produce at Traveloka Vietnam mm. are, are products of a whole team. Mm. Um, yeah, not just one single person. So I always try to find people who, who love brainstorming, who love bouncing ideas off of each other and who, who love debating. don't feel yeah, who love debating, but but don't feel like personally attacked by yes. people when they are challenged. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think like those three three things that I look for in creatives help me create like you know, I think the best team that I've ever worked with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, there's no one size fits all. Um, again, goes back to your 
your company's objectives for content marketing. But if your objectives are the same as what ours were, which is to build a brand and the, the outcomes of having a strong brand, brand being higher brand awareness being higher brand awareness will lead to uh, uplifts in, you know, click-through rates for your paid ads. So your paid ads become more efficient. You get more new customers at a cheaper rate. So, you know, that's how at least I saw it, the importance of a brand. And I'd like to add on to the points Chino made about the team. I think um, a best-in-class team will, will not give you the best results if you do not give them autonomy and room to make mistakes. And in content, we have to make a hell of a lot of mistakes. I think we made a yeah. lot of them, right? We, and, and, and mistakes, there should not be any finger pointing or blaming. It's really more about understanding what went wrong in those mistakes and learn from it so that we do better every time. And there will be a point where you get to where you, get, you land on the formula and then you just keep executing with that formula, right? And then, and then, and then the yeah. successes will compound. So I, I think, um, at least for me as a country marketing lead at the, at the time, the most important thing I had to do for the team was to protect them, let them make as many mistakes as they could. Obviously, I, I tried to minimize the, the monetary damages. I give them very, very limited budgets to make mistakes, but they learn from those mistakes. They always had to, I think you guys always had to send me post-mortems Tell me what went wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know you guys hated it, but but, but I, no, I, I enjoy writing process. those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the yeah. postmortems are so important um, in helping the team like understand what went wrong. Because yeah. I think if you're, because I I feel like sometimes we're stuck in a creative bubble and we we just feel like we have to create this best piece of content for us but not for the audience or for the marketing team and then we see the numbers we see the the result of that and we're just like oh now it's not so good so i think it's it's a good learning experience and it helps us see the big picture from the marketing point of view as well mm. and i think the f before we end off i think the final point is um which i know found like sea level like founders or, or struggle with how do you measure how do you how do you assess the performance of your content team do you assess them by the number of content they're able to produce do you assess them by the number of views they're able to, to, to bring in you know i mean i think we've gone over this a few times to, to, when you're yeah. together um what was the you know performance appraisal framework that we then ended, ended up with hmm. i think it's a wrong approach to um, to kind of uh, put the numbers on the content team, on the design team, mm. if that makes sense. Because I don't think it's fully their responsibilities mm. to um, um, you know handle those numbers. And um, sometimes it's like content can only do so much, but so many other things like distribution channels and mm. um, you know marketing budget. Um, mm constraints um, affect the numbers that come out of each piece of content. So yeah. I think like I have so many debates about um, performance of appraisals for, for my team um, uh, surrounding those numbers because everybody thinks that numbers are objectives and we should absolutely rely on those numbers um, to, you know, evaluate a piece of content. But I think that's, that's a, the wrong approach. Um, and like I said, a piece of content can be 
recycled over and over. If it's good, it, it can be used forever. So I think like a, a numbers can only um, cover like this small time frame that doesn't mean anything in the long run. Um, so I think like one of the best things that um, we came up with was the coming back to the brief. So um, coming back to the goals that you say, stated, I always appreciate that you write really detailed brief that um, communicates to us what we have to do in terms of creatives. Um, and I always evaluate campaigns based on what uh, the objectives that we set out at the mm -hmm. start and uh, personal involvement of, uh, of everybody, um, what they did for that campaign mm -hmm. uh, and how they worked together to achieve the objectives stated in that brief mm. um, is the first thing, um, probably the most important thing. The other thing would be like how well they understand the brand identity and brand voice mm. and how they kept that consistent. Because I think designers especially, um, their roles are so important in, um, you know, translating the brand identity um, into a piece of uh, creative that can go to the audience and help the audience like remember our brand. Yeah. So I think that too, but most of this is so qualitative that there's no right way or wrong way to evaluate. So I think like people struggle to kind of do performance reviews for creatives because yeah. a lot of our work are so qualitative that you can say this piece of content is wrong, this piece of content is right, and it's all very subjective, so. so at least for me, um, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit weird at times. So the way I, I, I internally assess, I, I don't tell that to anyone, how I assess whether a content team is doing well by the velocity of experiments. Again, how many content projects have been completed in the, in, in the amount of time per, and I average it out based on kind of like, based on average, average amount of con content throughput per headcount in the team. And how much of that is, uh, how much, and out, out of that pool of content, how many percent of that is, um, produces a reaction? <laughs> so it, it's a bit weird. So I, I don't tell that anyone. It's like, I actually monitor every piece of content and, and, it's, and I know which content is producing reactions and which one is not. And then mm -hmm. I do a percent success rate. And over time, that success rate actually increases. That means the content team is doing well. Okay, yeah. But it's, 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 like, it's, it's a team level. Yeah. I, I, did, yeah. I couldn't do it at the individual level, whereas you had a very, very tough job of doing it at the individual level. For me, I was, it was yeah. easier. I was assessing you. <laughs> I just wanted to analyze the team performance. Oh, thanks. So it was yeah. easier for me, right? So I was just looking at it as a, <laughs> at the, as, as a team, as a unit, how well are they doing? And they attribute it mostly to you. So that's how I assess your performance back then. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So, yeah. so I just look at this few very high level numbers, but it tells, it tells me enough. And obviously we had this, yeah. always had this frequent chats on you know, the frictions and between the team members, you know, you have all that and how you resolve them, problem solving as a leader, right? So I factored that as well into assessing your performance as a um, brand and content lead. So yeah, yeah, I hope that uh, answers some of the questions that our audience has around, you know, building a brand through content and you know, uh, around the how-tos for content marketing. Um, 
I mean, uh, feel free to send me any of the questions and I'll be happy to forward it to Gino uh, to, to, to address them. So uh, again, thanks for your time and thank you so much for spending time with us, Gino. Um, so, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, and to the next one then. Thank you, bye. Yeah.